Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Creative Control Podcast. It has come to my attention recently that if you rate this podcast positively or write a nice review of it on iTunes, it affects the ranking of the Creative Control with Vishkana podcast. You could make a difference. I don't know what the difference is exactly. Like, I don't know what the ranking means to me. I'm a little competitive. That's the only thing I could think of. Like, that's the only reason I want the podcast to do a little bit better in the iTunes rankings on the iTunes store. So if you don't mind, go to the iTunes store. If you like this podcast, please go to the iTunes store. Give it say a five out of five star review if you if you feel like it maybe write a thing about an episode you like or why you like the show and that's it if you can do that it'd be great and my competitive juices will be drank i don't know what happens to competitive juices please please just do that thing if you if you if you don't mind okay let's get to the show creative control with beach Hey, it's Hillside Festival week on this podcast, the big Hillside Festival celebrating its 30th anniversary this weekend, this coming weekend in July in Guelph, Ontario, the city in which I live. I'm a big fan of the Hillside Festival. I've attended it. I've performed it. Performed at it? I've performed it. I've performed the Hillside Festival in an off-Broadway play. It was not pretty. No, I'm a big fan of the thing, and... uh, it's great. I just, I don't know what to tell you. I've been going for, I don't know, the last 12, 13 years consistently. I, and I get to MC at it. I have a great time. It's just great. It's a great music festival. So this week, I'm going to shine a light on a couple of artists who are playing the Hillside Festival. Later this week, Colin Stetson. Colin Stetson is both playing the Hillside Festival and my other favorite music festival in Canada, Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick. They catch up with Colin. He was just nominated for the Players Music Prize. I'll tell you about Colin when it comes time for that episode. But today, on this episode, Lee Ronaldo of Sonic Youth. Lee Ronaldo and the Dust playing the Hillside Festival for the first time ever. And I let's let's catch up with Lee Ronaldo. What's he been up to? He's in Sonic Youth. They're on hiatus. He put out a solo record called a great one called Between the Times and the Tides. Uh, I guess when, when was that? In 2012? Does he have a new record coming out? Yes, he does. In October 2013 on Matador Records. Let's... Let's find out what's going on with Lee Ronaldo on this episode of Creative Control.
Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerotti, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza, the pizza. Personally, I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio. Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. York City's Lee Ronaldo is a founding member of Sonic Youth and, as such, is one of the most gifted and revered guitarists, singers, and songwriters in the history of rock music. When Sonic Youth began a hiatus in the fall of 2011, it didn't take long for the always prolific Ronaldo to begin work on a solo album. The excellent Between the Times and the Tides was released in 2012 and stood as one of the finest records of that year. On July 28th, Lee Ronaldo and The Dust will perform at the 30th anniversary edition of the Hillside Festival in Guelph, Ontario. And if all goes well, they may preview material from a new album called Last Night on Earth, which is scheduled to be released in October 2013 on Matador Records. Here now to discuss this further is the great Lee Ronaldo. Hi, Lee. How you doing? I'm very good. How are you, Vish? I'm very well. Where in the world are you, Lee? I'm in Sao, Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil right now. Uh, I've been down here on a, a bit of a South American tour with the dust for the last, um, I don't know, 10 days or so. Um, we were in Chile and Uruguay and Argentina, and we just played uh, a number of shows here in Brazil. And now uh, the band has, is uh, flying home today, and I've got two more shows to do down here with my wife, Leah Singer. We do sort of an experimental um electric guitar and cinema uh show that we're going to do twice twice here this week wow that's amazing have you you've been there before with uh, other bands or is this your first time traveling so extensively um i've been here three times before with sonic youth and leah and i have been uh down here in south america once or twice before twice before actually hmm. uh in brazil and in argentina playing nice. so yeah it, it's really nice down here and in the last decade, this continent has really opened up in terms of receptivity and, and just opportunities for, for groups to play. So uh, they seem quite, you know, quite enthusiastic and hungry to have uh, Western acts coming down here, much more so these days. Yeah, that's great. That's excellent to hear. I'm glad you're having, it sounds like you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, as I recall, your last solo rock record began kind of almost accidentally. You, you, you had plans to make a guitar and voice-based album, and that soon ended up including a bunch of your, you know, very talented friends. And for Last Night on Earth, uh, this new album, my sense is that this was more of a cohesive band effort from the get-go. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, the last record came about um, a slight uh, amendation to your intro. Uh, my record was kind of made before um, everything kind of came down with Sonic Youth about the wall where, where Kim and Thurston were going through and all that stuff. So the record wasn't made post uh, Sonic Youth deciding to stop playing, but actually prior to Sonic Youth even knowing anything was going to change in our immediate future, we just had a bunch of downtime, and I, I had started writing all these acoustic songs and um, started working on that record, and, and pretty much had that record done be by the time Thurston and Kim revealed to Steve and I that you know things were rocky for them and that we might be stopping for a while. Hmm. So um, you know, and in a way, for me, that was kind of. I mean, I was glad that it shook out that way. I mean, rather than, oh, my band is, is quitting playing, I'd better start work on a solo record kind of idea. I mean, you know, it just was something that happened in downtime when Sonic Youth, when we were all busy doing our own other projects and not really working very much on Sonic Youth, and I just started collecting these songs. And yes, I thought I would make a simple acoustic guitar and voice record, and then it blossomed into something much more than that, which was a happy, uh, happy uh, circumstance. This record, um, you know, the band, since the time, since Between the Times and the Tides came out, the band has been playing quite a bit. You know, we've been, we traveled a couple times to Europe and, and played around the States a bunch. And the band is much more cohesive as a band and really set up on kind of a core lineup of um, Alan Licht on guitar, my uh, uh, somebody I play with a lot in, usually in more experimental contexts like the Text of Light group, and Steve Shelley from Sonic Youth on drums, and... In the first record, we switched bass players to a, to a guy from Brooklyn named Tim Lonsell, who's really kind of cemented the lineup. And so, you know, we were we were just getting so the sound was just really coming together over all live performances. And when the time came to make this new record, I was writing all these songs, more specifically with this group in mind. And and we, uh, as opposed to the first record, where I kind of went in and laid down most of the tracks, and then had uh, various people, you know, Nels Klein and Alan and, and Jim O'Rourke and Bob Burt come in and play on top of it. For this record, we started developing the songs in the studio as a group right from the beginning and spent, you know, quite a few months in rehearsal just kind of working up the songs and uh, sorting out the structures and stuff. And so it definitely has much more of a band feel on this record. There's not as many guests on the record, although I'm happy to say that... Uh, the great John Medeski on keyboards is, is back for a second record with us, uh, which is always a pleasure because he's such an amazing player and such a great guy all around. So it's much more of a band record than, than the last one. It's true. Okay, that's 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 cool. Uh, Lee, I, I want to follow up on some of the things you said, but uh, true to Skype form, uh, you were breaking up a little bit, and I'm going to suggest that we maybe disconnect and reconnect just because you started out very strong, so I think it's going to work. And it was mostly decipherable, but also at various times you sounded like a Lee Ronaldo alien, and I okay. <laughs> and I want to yep. fix that. So why don't I uh, let's just let's just disconnect for a second, and then I'll call you back, and okay. uh, we'll, we'll do it. I, I'm sure it's going to work, but uh, okay. just, just hang tight, okay? Okay. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Official bio. Oh. Hello. Hello. I think we're back. Can you? Are you? Can you hear me? Okay. Oh. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you can hear me fine as well. Yeah, I think I, you're mostly there. You're mostly there. You know, skyping from Brazil, 
has its upsides and downsides. So we'll we'll <laughs> we'll continue we'll, <laughs> we'll continue on. And if it gets uh, if it if it doesn't work out, then maybe we'll 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 talk on the phone. But I think I think this is going to work. So you were talking about having uh, this uh, uh, band lineup and and how that created a more cohesive uh, sort of uh, atmosphere for for making this record. And you also kind of uh, clarified that uh, your previous record. Uh, was kind of done uh, before Sonic Youth stopped working together. Yeah. So we we, yep. we have that in a nutshell. How has the uh, band dynamic impacted you? As uh, you're you're now basically a band leader. So that must be when you went in to make your your last record. You know you had no expectations. You had no kind of collaborative expectations for sure. Uh, going in to make this one, how did your kind of attitude shift in terms of? you know, I've got to come up with things for everyone to do in my songs. Well, um, I guess I didn't really worry about that so much. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I really just kind of, uh, on that level, kind of approached it very similarly to the last record. I'm just, you know, sitting around with acoustic guitars writing songs. I mean, that's kind of my oper- my uh, my method of operation these days. So um, I was just, you know, writing the songs and... and uh, I, I didn't really worry too much about, you know, plugging the the guys in the dust in because I just had a feeling that they would, that that part of it that would be the easy part. You know, the, the getting the songs uh, developed is is for me uh, the part that I mo- was more concerned with. And you know, we we definitely worked out the songs over. You know, it's it's translating songs from acoustic guitar solo songs into a group dynamic song, and uh, I think that's the reason why we you know for this record. Um, it was kind of pleasurable to just, we all had the time to really just, you know, show up at the studio two or three times a week for, for a few months, really, and, and just kind of work the songs into shape. And um, that's, for me, a very comfortable way to work. That's always the way Sonic Youth worked at, at our best, was just, like, getting together a lot and banging things around and, you know, pulling things apart and putting them back together again and really having the time, uh, the leisure time to, to work songs up in a, in a very... Um, you know, in whatever time frame they needed to come together, and so we actually had the time to spend, you know, a m- bunch of months through the through this last winter playing a lot, and you know, the playing a lot kind of cemented us as a band as well. You know, working on these songs, and and you know, everybody was kind of participating in in uh, developing the arrangements for the songs, so that was good. My sense of this new batch of songs is that lyrically they're coming from what I view as a very personal place, but one of kind of guarded optimism about kind of fate and existence. You have this song, and I don't know how to pronounce it precisely. It's, uh, is it Home Chords? It's Home C-H-D-S. Yeah, it's Home Chords. Okay. So you've got Home Chords, and that seems to be alluding to revolution and kind of the inherent hope that comes with change. And then you have a song like The Rising Tide, which seems to cover the kind of chaos and joy of, of making music with your friends. And there's quite a lot of juxtaposition between natural themes of sunlight and darkness and water and land. I feel like those recur throughout the record. Do you see these songs as coming from a particular state of mind or point of view that you had uh, as you were creating them? Well, you know, I think that, I mean, I was saying this a lot with the first record, that when you're making a solo record like this, you know, it's it's different from making a band record. And, and I, I always think of... Uh, you know, great, uh, you know, solo records by people that I love, you know, whether it's Leonard Cohen or Joni Mitchell or Sean Marshall or Bill Callahan or whoever. And you, you, you really, I mean, I think a solo record on that sense works best when, 
you feel like you're opening a window into somebody's life and the things that they're thinking about and the things that they're going through or maybe the places they're seeing with their eyes or whatever it is. And, and, and at its best, I suppose you find a certain kind of universality in it. And so I, I guess I wanted these records to have a, a personal feeling. I'm, I haven't gotten so far with this one as to really seriously analyze it yet as far as, you know, you, you write all these songs and they're these individual things and then all of a sudden they're grouped together in an album and you see the ways in which the, the various themes or ideas are kind of knocking against one another. And that, that's as much uh, revelatory for me at a certain point as, as maybe for any other listener because, like I said, I'm working on them kind of one at a time and not really always conscious of how they add up and mm. so i would definitely say you know having it be personal on that level is uh is very much uh a part of the plan you know um that that you know you want it to be kind of a window into your life and i wanted the last record and this one to have more personal less abstract lyrics i mean a lot of the sort of poetry type things that i'm writing these days is is has been far more abstract the last few years. And, you know, oftentimes in the past, I draw from some of that stuff to, to make records and uh, to make uh, song lyrics. And with these records, I, I really put all that aside and felt like I wanted to start from scratch and write them as kind of more personal, personal, uh, personal, personal side lyrics. They seem quite direct to me, and I mean, on, if you want to get sort of familiar, your, your son actually sings on one of your songs. Yeah, he sings some backups on one song. It's uh, you know, it's uh, a simple thing. But you know, the the thing I've loved about making these records is like with the last one with Between the Times and the Tides, it really felt, if not exactly a family affair, that it was really you know I was asking some of my close friends to pitch in and help me out, and it was so it was a very comfortable situation. You know, it wasn't like uh, you know it wasn't a reach to to talk to Nels or to John Medeski or to Jim O'Rourke or any of the other people who are on that record. Basically, just because they're all friends of mine and have been longtime friends, and you know, I felt like they would, especially sort of stepping out to make a solo song record. I felt like it was it was really important to have people around that that uh, would be supportive of me and and you know and so with this record it's kind of a bit more of the same thing the band is is the main support at this point but then yeah yeah my son Sage uh, I asked him to do some backgrounds on one song no it's cool I I know that you were inspired and and present during some of the Occupy movement protests and uh, I'm curious did that and, and you know this is maybe out of left field but did that have any impact on you as a, a songwriter? Because I feel like, as I alluded to earlier, there's a few songs that seem to uh, allude to this idea of creating change. And I know that change, particularly since Barack Obama became president, that whole notion of change has been maybe perhaps overemphasized, but maybe not. I don't know. Can you maybe talk about the sort of political landscape and whether or not that has influenced you as, a, as an artist? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the word has been uh over over overtaxed a little bit since uh since Obama used it in his campaign, but I think the idea of change is is uh is still quite fresh. Um you know, there was a song on the last record uh, to answer to start by answering your question. I live in downtown New York, very near to Zuccotti Park where all the Occupy Wall Street stuff was going on and uh, you know, there would be marches in, past my front door pretty much every day for for two or three months while they were down there occupying and so I spent a lot of time down there. I was very inspired by it. I was taking my kids down there to see kind of you know, new uh, left-wing, non-violent democracy in action, in a way, and talking about 
you know, the ways in which it spread from, you know, what was going on in the Middle East back with the Arab Spring, sort of through the whole world, in a sense. And and I've visited some of the other encampments. I was at the Occupy encampment in Toronto, actually, for instance, and um, a couple couple things. Uh, in the, There was one in, in London that I stopped by, and actually there's one here in Sao Paulo, where I am right now, and I'm going to stop by this week. I saw some pictures of of uh, a whole bunch of tents and people hanging out opposite uh, the city hall in town here. Um, so there was a, there was a song in particular on on Between the Times and the Tides called Shouts that was very directly inspired by the Occupy movement. Um, and um, I guess I would say that a lot of those ideas have been in my head a lot since 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 that that you know eighteen months ago or whenever it was that that was all taking place and. I don't know if I could point to a song specifically on this record that is as direct a commentary as that song Shouts was, but there's I've been you know I've been talking about the movement a lot as a way of introducing that song and so it's definitely been in my mind a lot and you know we've been uh, live we've been uh you know I've been think we've been thinking about it and we've been playing a version of Neil Young's Revolution Blues which is kind of a a violent song of revolution you know kind of alluding to the Manson period in in Los Angeles and I've been kind of introducing that as kind of the flip side of of this uh, shout song of, of my own, and so you know all of that, uh, all the political stuff that's been going on in the world has has definitely been in my in my mind. So, uh, although I can't point to anything in particular on this record, I mean I'm sure that it's 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 in there, in the lyrics. That's it's an interesting connection you've drawn between revolution blues and the Occupy movement, uh, because as you say, this is a song from a record called On the Beach, and it's about it's about the. It's essentially inspired by the Manson family murders uh, and crimes, and and some of the lyrics though, kind of resonate with what's going on. We're gonna, you know, it's about. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Going after rich people uh, and sort of leveling the playing field, so to speak. So, I mean, you get into, yeah. you get into kind of slippery territory, though, because as you say, it's a terribly violent song, and then you've measured that with shouts and sort of a, a peaceful protest movement. So, <laughs> I'm not sure where I, I'm just pointing this out that it's it seems like kind of a that seems like a drastic uh, uh, couple of songs to kind of they're, they're, they seem drastically yeah. different to me. 
very very much so it was sort of like two sides of two two sides of a coin in a sense and you know the the Neil Young song we were doing as much just because we wanted to play one of his songs as as anything else and that song seemed like a good one and and yeah it's just a con- you know it's like contrasting the black with the white i mean it's you know the one is definitely a uh, his song is is portraying a very violent uh, period from a first person kind of point of view, which makes it even even weirder in a sense. Uh, I know that uh, when Neil played that song initially for David Crosby, Crosby didn't want to have anything to do with it. He was like, "No, you don't want to sing about that stuff. This is you know this is this is evil stuff you're dealing with here." And um, you know, I, I, I so we're we're doing it. Uh, Half just because it's it's a really great song to play, and and half as a contrasting uh, note to uh, to the optimism and openness of, of that's portrayed in shouts. Yeah, it does seem like, and I, I'm going to ask you another question about sort of the songs themselves. But as you as you mentioned, you're still too close to this record to kind of figure it out. Has anything I've brought up surprised you, or do you kind of see where I'm coming from in terms of sort of interpreting where you're coming from? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Like I said, I haven't really analyzed it too deeply. I think um, you characterized it optimistically. And I guess when I, at one point I was thinking about it, I thought that a lot of these songs had a kind of a dark undertone to them that I haven't really fully sorted out yet. Hmm. Um, so, um, I mean, you know, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure about that. Uh, the, the phrase I used was guarded optimism, because I feel like... Yeah, yeah. I, oh, maybe that's it. I mean, there's definitely always. A, I mean, I like to think there's always a, an optimistic frame to to lyrics that I write because, in general, I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic person. But I also feel like there's some some definitely darker sides going on on this record. Yeah, there's been some drama in Sonic Youth since Kim and Thurston broke up, and, and they've each addressed some of it in the press in their own ways. I imagine this puts you and Steve Shelley in a strange place professionally to have your band written about in this way, and again, you're too close to it, but has that experience manifested itself on Last Night on Earth in any way that you can think of? Um, no direct way that I could think of, actually. Um, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a strange time, obviously, mostly for, for the, the two of them, and, uh, um, you know, we've kind of sat by the sidelines and, and watched for the most part, but we also keep, you know, in particular me, because I'm talking to the press uh, more than either of those guys these days. Thurston's pretty much got a moratorium against uh, interviews going for the last couple of years. Um, you know, so I get asked about it. I'm, I'm, I've talked about it a little bit, but there's there's not that much that I can say aside from, you know, they're trying to work out uh, the ending of a relationship that, that's been a very long standing, and, and to be going through that in the public eye is probably not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but... Um, I think everybody's kind of found their feet and everybody's pretty happy doing what we're doing right now. I mean, we're still talking to each other as far as, you know, business things that go on or, you know, we've still got, we've got a massive archive that we are hoping to, uh, you know, to, to release some, some, some things from, we just released this, uh, smart bar 1985 live recording a couple months ago, and we've got plans to do a bunch of other archival things. So, you know, we're still talking to each other on, I mean, when you're, when you're together with, uh, a group of people for 30 years. I mean, it's a relationship that doesn't terminate overnight. You know, I mean, we'll, there'll be aspects of our relationship together in Sonic Youth that will that will uh, extend for for decades, probably. You know, and um, and that's 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 good. I mean, you know, the, the band is not, you know, the band is on hiatus in terms of current activities, but uh, 
you know, there's a there's a big catalog, and there's always people wanting to to talk about one thing or another. So there's there's always sonic youth activity of one form or another going on. But I think right now everybody's very happily doing what they're doing, and and uh, I don't think within the band any of us are thinking at all in terms of even even thinking about like, well, will we ever do anything again or or you know whatever. We're just kind of in the in the present moment, which is kind of nice. Yeah, no, yeah, I, no I, I can totally I can... appreciate that. But uh, the only question i have is that you mentioned thurston has basically shied away from discussing this kim has been very direct and uh, extremely direct in, in some of the interviews and based on what you know of them are you were you surprised by that uh, sort of their their approaches to handling this well not really <laughs> not really in terms of either one of them and, and um i know that kim's intention was to be very direct about it at some point and try and um, at least from her point of view, uh, outline, you know, what happened as she saw it, um, as she sees it. Um, and, and I'm also not surprised that Thurston is just kind of not talking about it because it's a private issue on a lot of levels. And I think for him, uh, he just prefers that it stay a private issue. It's not really, you know, no matter how public a figure you are, when stuff happens in your emotional life, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a private issue and, and, uh, and I think he wants to just keep it that way. It's not something that he's inclined to talk about in the press. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can appreciate that. Well, let's move on because uh, I'm, we're excited. I'm calling you or Skyping you, I guess, from Canada. And uh, some people might not, might not realize it, but you actually have some strong familial connections to Canada. Isn't that right? Yeah, I do. Uh, my wife is from Winnipeg, and we have uh, relatives on her side in Toronto and Victoria and in Vancouver and and in Winnipeg, of course, and uh, so you know we spend a fair amount of time in in Canada, which is great. Our kids are Canadian citizens, and um, yeah, so you know it's uh, it's it's a good connection for me. Uh, you know, I'm coming up to play this uh, Hillside Festival at Guelph uh, next week, and uh, I've played there before, and uh, you know uh, uh, I like the Canadian connection a lot. Yeah. You've you've played in Guelph at the Guelph Jazz Festival before. Do you actually have right. any particular notions about what the Hillside Festival is like, and maybe what your plans are for it at this point? Well, it's a, it's going to be a show with the dust, and you know, an electric show with the dust. And um, I, I gather it's a more eclectic festival than the Jazz Festival. And um, you know, we're going to come and present. We're going to be playing some of the songs from the new record and, and a bunch of the songs from Between the Times and the Tides, basically, you know, what our stage show has been right now. And um, I'm really looking forward to it because we have, um, I don't know if I've played a solo show in, in Canada yet um, since Between the Times and the Tides came out. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't really played a song show in, in Canada yet. So this will be the first. When we start touring in the fall, we've, we've definitely made a point where we've got Toronto and Vancouver, at least, on our, on our schedule, and hopefully uh, a few more. Actually, I played in Montreal just a couple of weeks ago, with, or a month and a half ago, with Steve. And uh, that was probably the first song show in, in Canada that I've done. Oh, okay. I didn't even know about that. That's great. How yeah. did, did that went well? It was good. You know, one of the things that I like about this band right now 
is and 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 just this particular period for me in terms of you know like I told you before I've been writing most of these songs on acoustic guitar and um, in the liner notes to Between the Times and the Tides I talked about the fact that one of the things I, I've been enjoying about these songs is that they're very mutable you know they're they start you know with a guy sitting in a living room somewhere on an acoustic guitar and they've expanded to being electric rock songs for the most part but they 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 seem to be uh, able to lend themselves to a few different kinds of settings. So I've been doing some solo acoustic gigs and some acoustic duo gigs with Steve playing percussion. And and the band is versatile enough that we've been doing some very special um, all-acoustic gigs with uh, Tim playing stand-up bass and Alan and I playing acoustic guitars and Steve playing percussion but not a drum kit. And uh, those shows have been really special as well. And so it's it's kind of nice that the band can... can uh, take different settings to these songs and I really like that about the songs that they're, they, they're, they hold up you know either just me myself solo or as a duo or as a quartet acoustically or, or as you know sort of loud electric amped up music and um, that, that's been one of the fun revelations for me with this music in particular I mean you know with Sonic Youth those songs were always set in a very particular setting for a particular group of, uh, of we players and instrumentation and and we tried a couple times, for instance, to do acoustic shows, and they were always a, a strange animal to us and, mm. and kind of a foreign thing. And, you know, so Sonic Youth songs usually had one setting that they worked in, and, and that's, that's, that's where they always remained. And I'm, I'm liking with these songs that they can be pre- presented in, in all these different kinds of contexts. It's, it's allowed them to expand in, in different ways, and, and it's allowed me to uh, sort of publicly... Uh, exercise you know a love of acoustic music and and uh, playing acoustic guitar which i've always done but hadn't done really in public for probably 20 25 years before i started playing some shows around between the times and the tides speaking of contexts in different contexts and, and taking things in different directions has anyone spoken to you about your hillside festival workshop that they uh, have ske- have you scheduled for are you aware of this well Early on, there was talk about a workshop, but I haven't heard anything about it for for uh, quite a long time now. I don't even know if it's still on the schedule or not. It, it is actually but- happening. It's happening on <laughs> Sunday evening, and you're scheduled to uh, collaborate, I suppose, uh, with Colin Stetson and Richard Reed Perry of Arcade Fire, who's there on a, a solo, uh, doing a solo set, and I believe also Sarah Newfeld, uh, who's there solo and is also a member of Arcade Fire. I believe that's who you've been sort of tentatively uh, teamed up with. And, uh, okay. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess it's up to me to, to break, break the news to you. I, I, and I, for what it's worth, I mean, it's on the schedule. Um, have you participated in kind of these sort of open-ended workshops before? Well, I've done, done workshops and, and sort of master class slash discussions like that before. Um, and you know, and obviously, I've I've been thrust in with with new players uh, that are unfamiliar to me before as well, and you know, all that stuff can be very exciting. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to look into that because uh, nobody's nobody's told me <laughs> about this recently. <laughs> well, I, I feel bad not uh, being. Well, I don't feel bad. I mean, maybe it's no, no. Bad. You should feel good. I'm glad to hear about it. Yeah, and you know, it, it's uh, it, the framework is generally that people like yourself are kind of put in this configuration and just. You know, you can have some kind of discussion, but it's fairly minimal. You just sort of start to play and see what happens. And uh, you know, based on your trajectory, I imagine you might you might thrive in that sort of uh, situation. 
Yeah, well, that that could you know that can be pretty pretty nice. So I'm I'm you know I've been traveling so much the last six or eight weeks. The band was in Europe for about two and a half three weeks, doing a bunch of different things. We we were playing um, you know playing this material, and before that, I was doing a concert with a a, a sixteen member string section, violins and cellos and. And uh, and violas. Uh, I wrote a piece for this uh, ensemble from Berlin called the Kaleidoscope Ensemble, and uh, we pr- we premiered that piece like a forty forty five minute work in um, Amsterdam at the Holland Festival um, early in in June or mid June, and it was a piece based on um, it was a piece based on recordings I made during the Hurricane Sandy storm last October in New York. Uh, I was in my apartment and and. Uh, I was hearing all this strange sound out the window, like this is a couple hours before the height of the storm hit, and and it turned out it was the wind kind of whipping through the buildings and and making all these strange sounds. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this uh, instrument called an Aeolian harp, but it dates back to the Greek times. They used to uh, set up uh, strings and let the wind blow between them and and vibrate the strings and it would and you know they'd be a reflector sort of to amplify the sound but it would be a wind wind harp is another word for it i guess and it was sort of like hurricane sandy was playing the city like a gigantic wind harp in a way which was really interesting and so i went out and you know a couple hours before the storm hit right as the waters were starting to spill over the sides of the hudson river and made some recordings and then transcribed that stuff for this string orchestra and uh, then we presented the piece, and and because it was during this time when actually a few of the songs on this new record were written during that time or started during that time of Hurricane Sandy. You know, we had a blackout; we had no electricity or or running water or or heat or anything for a week or so, and so you know I was kind of left to just an, an acoustic guitar, and so I was fiddling around on it quite a bit in that period, and. Um, and uh, ideas for a few of the songs on this new record came came up that that week, including Last Night on Earth. And so I set a couple of those songs for this string ensemble. And, and you know, we were going to kind of vacillating in and out of sort of these hurricane sections and then two or three song sections, uh, which was interesting to me to present the songs. I was playing acoustic guitar for, for some of it and electric guitar for some of it. And, and like I said, with this string ensemble. So it was another setting for these songs that was kind of an interesting context for me. But, you know, so I was in Europe doing that. And then uh, right before I came down here to South America, Leah and I were in Halifax for two weeks in, in residence at the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, making oh. artworks and uh, we had a gallery show there and did some performances in the gallery and we were we were working in their print shop like uh, madly for a couple of weeks creating creating new artwork so I've been here and there and I, have, I hadn't heard about this uh, hillside lecture <laughs> well again it's, it's not a lecture it's a performance you're not speak, yeah, yeah, you're not yeah, speaking yeah. it's yeah. a workshop but you're just you're meant to sort of you know, I guess workshop together, like workshop a, an idea for like forty minutes and a yeah. couple ideas, yeah. and you know, it could be song based. It could be anything you want, really. And maybe, maybe Steve can join you. Like it doesn't. It's really open ended in a lot of ways. So I don't know. For me, uh, seeing someone like you and, and the caliber of people that you've been uh, teamed up with here, that to me could be a, a festival highlight. You know, beyond a, a set of someone's songs, to see something that you'll never see again, for better or for worse, it might be pretty cool. Yeah, it could be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great. Now, we've talked a lot about uh, your work with The Dust. Uh, you mentioned some Sonic Youth Archive 
uh, stuff. Uh, you mentioned working with Leah. I assume that this is enough. Do you have anything else that you want to talk to us about uh, in terms of uh, projects that are coming up that you're excited about? Well, um, you know, my main focus the last couple of years has been on this, you know, writing these, you know, on, on songwriting and on the band. I mean, that's really, you know, I've, I've sort of, I'm doing less abstract music, less text of light shows and things like that. But, you know, all that stuff uh, is still in the picture. I mean, I think the shows I do with Leah, which we these days we call sight unseen or contra jour, those have been uh, the one thing that has not stopped. And, you know, we're like I said, we're doing a couple of those performances down here this week. But um, my main focus has been on the band. I mean, you know, it, songwriting is a, is a big effort. I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, so different from playing improvisational music. I mean, you're working on uh, structure and, and trying to fit things into a certain format. And uh, I'm finding it really intriguing and challenging. And also, I'm just intrigued by the fact that all these songs are just kind of spilling out of my guitars over the last few years. And it's, it's renewed my um, a certain aspect of my love of just kind of sitting around and playing guitar that that had been kind of dormant for a while, I guess. You know, you get to this point where you're playing so much that you're not uh, always every every day excited by the idea of picking up a guitar and seeing what will spill out of it. But recently it's just, you know, it kind of brings me back to when I was uh, in my late teens and, you know, wanted to do nothing but sit around the house all day long and, and strum on a guitar and, and, and invent new things. And um, I, it's just, just really renewed my interest in this. And, and it's, it's interesting that it's come with a renewed interest in acoustic guitar playing because that's kind of where I started and and it's where a lot of these songs are are starting on acoustic guitar and and getting inside the the beauty of uh the way acoustic instruments sound and using different instruments for different uh different songs and things so uh you know the band has been the main thing right now I'm still doing a lot of artwork and and uh writing writing stuff I'm supposed to have a a compendium of my poetry and journal writing come out through a press in Oxford, England by the end of the year, which would sort of collect maybe the best stuff from the last 20, 25 years that I've written, which will be a nice volume to, for me to see happen. Um, you know, I, so I keep my hand in with that and, and visual art stuff, but the band thing has really taken precedence yeah, right now. It's remarkable. I mean, we talked earlier about whether or not you might be an optimistic person, and uh, I got to say, it's inspiring to hear you talk about your work and, and to hear you keeping so busy i suppose i mean it's it's great it's amazing yeah yeah <laughs> well once again i want to let people know that lee ronaldo and the dust perform at the hillside festival in guelph ontario on july 28th and their new album last night on earth is scheduled for release uh, this october on matador records uh, you can learn more about these things at hillsidefestival.ca leeronaldo.com and matadorrecords.com lee are you are you typing a, a note to your agent right now wondering about the hillside workshop I am indeed. <laughs> I, I can hear you typing away, being like, "What the hell is going on?" But that's fine. I, you know, it's yeah. it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and I, I wish you the best of luck with everything. And I can't wait to see you uh, in Guelph. Yeah, thanks. It, it's it's always nice to speak to you, Vish, and and uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to coming to Guelph next week. It'll be really fun. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Kana. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol nine three three at gmail dot com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. 
A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.